Welcome to Amazing Women. I'm Deborah Giro. I created this show back in 2004 to celebrate women who make a difference. It's a radio show. It's also a podcast. So you can subscribe for free on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, all your favorite streaming services. In the words of Maria Shriver, today, I hope you're spending less time worried about what you're not doing and more time imagining what you and only you can do because you are amazing. So thanks for joining us. My guest is Liz Tanner, the Secretary of Commerce in Rhode Island, the state agency that's responsible for promoting economic development for businesses. She oversees a number of departments, including the Department of Business Regulation, of which she was the director prior to her appointment as secretary. And I've had the pleasure of working with Liz for many, many years when I chaired the House Committee on Small Business. Also, we had our work on broadband. And I can say she is a problem solver. Liz graduated from URI. She has a law degree from uh, Western New England University Law School, married with two children. So thank you in your busy life for taking some time for us today, Liz. Of course. Thank you so much. And and I have to say, you'll always be Rep Deb for me. So I'm happy to, to, <laughs> to get to spend some time with you again. So much appreciated. Thank you. So obviously you're following Stephen Pryor, who was a secretary for about seven years hired back in 2015 under then Governor Gina Raimondo. Did did Stephen hire you? And, and if so, in what capacity, Liz? So I actually started at the Commerce Corporation in 2015, probably, um, I don't know, four or five months after Stephen had started. Mm -hmm. um, and and when Stephen came there, while there were some people that he brought from out of state, I just applied like anybody else um, for the job and was very happy to be interviewed and then ultimately received the job at the Commerce Corporation, where I was very much hired to focus on making it easier to do business. And so mm -hmm. I was really happy to be able to use my skills as an attorney, having opened up several hundred businesses to fix the stuff that made me crazy when I was uh, practicing attorney for, the, for those businesses, as well as some Rhode Island-based businesses that I had owned. And what were some of the things that made you crazy as an attorney helping businesses in Rhode Island? What made you crazy and what did you change? I got to tell you, the number one thing was the letter of good standing. From oh, yes. Taxation. Logs. So, I had so many letters from constituents regarding logs, the letters of good standing. Tell us well, about the, that. Well, the hard part is there's two of them, you know, mm -hmm. so it's very confusing. There's a, the Secretary of State has a letter of good standing and the Division of Taxation has a letter of good standing. The Secretary of State one has always been something that's easy. You know, you're basically just proving that you know, it's a certification that you have an official business versus the Division of Taxation. It it carries some heavy weight because you need to prove that you don't owe any taxes to the state. And so people will need it to sell their business or uh, refinance or get a mortgage. You know, there's a lot of reasons that you would need or even dissolve it. You, you need that for a lot of things. And, and it took a very long time. And so we came in and worked very closely with the division of taxation to streamline the process because there was a lot of hands that touched it. The form was very confusing. It was only paper-based and they have made enormous improvements. It's now electronic. They've streamlined the form, streamlined the paper. And what used to be many years ago, probably a 90 day uh, process minimum is now down to less than two weeks. If you are able to provide all the information uh, upfront and the first time, sometimes even less than that. So it's, it was a huge win for the business community when that happened. And it's also done electronically now too. Correct. Right. Which makes a huge difference for, I mean, we, we're, we live in a digital world, you know, and you're um, uh, so, so governor McKee, 
um, appointed you to succeed um, Stefan Pryor. And I know you've always, you know, been pro-business working to get to solutions. So what's your vision for the Rhode Island Commerce Department as the secretary? You know, Governor McKee says it all the time, and I absolutely agree with him. You know, we have real momentum and the what we really want to do is make sure we keep up on that. You know, so Rhode Island has done very, very well with how our data has come out post-pandemic. You know, right now we are number six in the country, number two in the Northeast for economic recovery um, by Moody's. Another survey put us at number two across the country. That was a thumbtack survey. So we're doing very well. We want to make sure we continue on with that. And for, for me and for the governor, what that means is really listening to businesses. You know, one of the things that I've been successful on is to sit with business owners, to hear what they have to say, and to fix the problems. You know, people mm-hmm. like to say that it's the regulations, the regulations, the regulations, the regulations. And I will say that um, while, while they probably refer to that collectively as all of the red tape and bureaucracy, the regulations rarely are the problem. Sometimes it's a bad law. Very often it's a poor process. And so mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time fixing processes, but it's also really helpful to hear what the concerns are. And then we can also create uh, the program that might be helpful to mm-hmm. uh, to a business. You know, as, as we come out of the pandemic, we have not been able to have those conversations with businesses to know what their concerns are in years. Mm-hmm. So my guess is they have a lot of new problems and new needs, and we really want to spend a lot of time listening to what they have to say so that we can solve the problems and create the programs that um, that make it easier to do business in the state. I remember a few years ago when I was chairing the small business committee in the house, we talked a lot about regulations and you actually, you know, eradicated, you, you erased many of those regulations that I think maybe 1200 had come away uh, from the books, but you make an excellent point that it's not so much the regulation as it is the process. And, and sometimes it's the people who can gum up the system. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting. I can, I can give you a couple examples of where this worked is um, people always like to hear about the Mimosa regulation. So it used to be very unclear in Rhode Island whether insurance would cover the sale of alcohol on Sunday mornings. And when we listened to the hospitality industry, they let us know that that was why they couldn't serve mimosas on Sunday morning. So the regulation was changed to make it very clear that you could serve alcohol on Sunday mornings and voila, Mimosas for everyone on Sunday mornings, which was a huge, <laughs> a huge win. Another example of a law was um, the frozen dessert license. So if you think about a, a soft serve ice cream machine or a margarita machine, there, there was a, a situation back in the early 70s where when slushies were being used for those machines rather than just ice cream, there was copper piping and it was making children sick. And oh so they created a license so that somebody could come and inspect it to make sure that you were using plastic instead of copper for slushies. And that made sense back in the early 70s. But here we are all these years later, and there was still a license fee to have that kind of machine. So we, again, listened to the hospitality industry, and they let us know that we didn't need that anymore. We talked to the Department of Health, and we eliminated it. So Mm -hmm. those are some of the things that, that we've been able to do in the regulation and law space. And it is about listening. It's communicating, it's listening, and then it's using common sense, you know? So I want to talk about our new soccer team. It's a Rhode Island FC football club, a new logo, and also um, a, a soon yet to be uh, built new stadium, uh, the Tidewater Project in Pawtucket. Governor McKee, of course, casting the tie-breaking vote in the Commerce Board meeting to move the project forward. 124 million for the stadium in Pawtucket, up from the 84 million. Uh, not a dollar though going to any of the retail stores 
or affordable housing uh, yet. How valuable is this project without the investment in, say, the Riverwalk retail and housing? Well, I'll say, you know, some information that has recently come out is in the first hour of sales, they sold over a thousand season ticket deposits. So that, that's a really good sign of the strength of this football club coming to Rhode Island. So we're very, very excited um, about that and for that for the future uh, of, of the entire program. I think some of the data I saw, Liz, too, shows that Rhode Island is like a top 10 market for soccer, which was interesting. Yeah, it is. It's very, it's very interesting to think about what the possibilities are. Um, but we're really excited about what we can do in that space to, to help that grow. You know, I think one of the important things for taxpayers to understand that is that not a single penny of taxpayer dollars is spent until the stadium is ready to be opened. So that's um, something really important. We always wanna make sure they understand. And then as far as the next layer of the project, you know, it's something that we're talking to them about, uh, but you know, the, the interest rates are pretty high right now. So we're, mm. we're, we're, we're trying to take care of the stadium while we look at how these interest rates go. I do think Pawtucket needs to be a vibrant economic destination. You know, the question becomes how much more investments are needed to make the soccer stadium successful and the tax incremental financing work, right? I'm sure that's something that that you think about often. Yeah, I mean, the governor's made it very clear that uh, he wants to do what he can for Pawtucket. You know, they've been ignored for too long, in, in his words. And so we we really want to support that stadium and the land around it. Um, you know, many other people don't realize, too, that, you know, that's polluted land. It's, there's very few limited things we can do on it. So this is a great way to use um, the property properly mm -hmm. and safely. If you're just tuning in, welcome. I'm Deborah Giro. Karen Kay is our producer. The show is Amazing Women, R.I., and it's now a podcast, so you can subscribe for free on Apple, iHeart, Radio, Amazon, Spotify, all your favorite uh, streaming services. And if you like our show, please leave us a review and help spread the word. Appreciate that. Uh, those of us who are, you know, in business and, and care deeply, right, about the quality of life that we have here in Rhode Island, Liz, you know, we see the polls that Rhode Island is not business friendly. And are those old tapes or is the state changing how to do business in Rhode Island? You know, that's something that I've spent seven and a half years of my life analyzing and looking at. And I very much focus on that, how you actually open up your business and, and what that interaction looks like. And I have to say that I've looked at all the other states across the country and many other foreign countries, and nobody else really does it that different. There might be different tax structures, and there's definitely infra um, infrastructure concerns here and energy costs. Those are totally different things. But as far as doing business with the state, we do it the same way that everybody else does, as particularly the, the organizing of your business. So by listening to what some of those problems were, we just don't hear as many complaints, not to say that there aren't something, mm -hmm. um, many issues, and we certainly can't fix everything, but we've got a pretty good track record now where we listen, solve the problems and try to fix them. And we don't just fix them for the person who's in the problem. We try to prevent them from happening again in the future. So I've been very open to hearing from businesses to hear what they have to say. And again, we're going to do our best. And if not, we'll be able to explain to you why, why we can't make the change that someone seeks. You know, taxes are one thing, but uh, and taxes are always going to be around no matter what it is. But there are lots of other ways that we can make it easier to do business. And that's one of the things that I strive to work on every day. Mm -hmm. And so if someone's listening and they do have a concern, they want to reach out, um, they have an issue, what's the best way to get in touch? 521help or commerceri.com. You know, there are uh, multiple methods of relaying that information. 
you know, one of the things about the Commerce Corporation, uh, many people in Rhode Island think that it's focused just on the biggest businesses, but that's what, just what you read in the news. We spend the far majority of our time dealing with small businesses and, mi and micro businesses um, on their needs. There are more business resources right now available for any business owner, any size, than there have ever been in the 20, 25 years that I've been in this space. So I would encourage a business owner to call the Commerce Corporation and, and let us know where you're at, what the state, you know, what your business is and what stage you are at. And we will make you aware of these many different kinds of resources. Some of them are grants or loans, some of them are just mentor and training programs. There's just there's just so many that people sometimes get confused or lost because there's so many things. So we encourage you to sit with a, a client services representative so that they can let you know what's applicable to what your business is. I've always said that Rhode Island's biggest business is small business. And one of the biggest concerns small businesses have is access to capital. Absolutely. And we have a ton of programs that are available to businesses uh, and we would want to sit down with them and explain that uh, what 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 they are. Again, there's just there's just too many of them for me to mm. go through because sure. there's so many different kinds of businesses. Um, but there's a resource for you to to understand what's available. And again, that number is five two one help h e l p, or online at commerceri.com. And I'm chatting with uh, Liz Tanner, the Secretary of Rhode Island Commerce. I want to talk a little bit about your involvement in the state's regulation of marijuana. Now that we've legalized recreational um, marijuana in the state. What's going on around that? So December 1st is the is the date when things change. Um, and the team's been working really hard to make sure that we're all ready for that. You know, yeah, the, it's going it to be legalized. Where mm -hmm. it's legalized, yeah, so um, for recreational use. And the team's working really hard. And it does appear that based on the election recently, that the majority of the towns and cities uh, will will be interested in going in that in that space. Yeah, there are um, a number so, who who chose not to. I know Jamestown and, and certain of the other communities I think it was, said no. I think it was six that six. chose not to do it. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But the rest of the 39 um, uh, will will be looking at it. So I thought that was a, a referendum then on the fact that the general public is interested in this. Maybe may mm -hmm. their town may not be, but the point is, is there's at least plenty of options now for the businesses who choose to open up in those locations. And of course, there's the revenues too from the state as well uh, from the sale uh, of the of the recreational marijuana. I read an article in the Boston Globe. That's a $4.4 billion industry in Massachusetts. And they're saying that the actual price of recreational marijuana is coming down because there's now so much competition in and around. So it was obviously very profitable years ago. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out in the next um, two to three years, I suppose. Um, you know, by waiting, we were, we've been able to work very closely with all the other states who have been doing this as well. And um, we actually led the effort for all the states to meet on a regular basis. And what they do is those who, who are years ahead of us, they share with us what they their lessons learned. Mm. And so we very much try to in, um, in, integrate those into what our plans are so that we don't have to suffer whatever problems uh, resulted for them. And so it's been a great partnership across the country to be able to have that kind of wise words of wisdom. Yeah. Well, why not? You know, if somebody else has already done something, there's no sense recreating the wheel. Exactly. If you're just tuning in, thanks for joining us. I'm Deborah Giro. Karen Kay is our producer. The show is Amazing Women, R.I. It's now a podcast. You can subscribe for free on all your favorite streaming services. And my guest is Liz Tanner, the Secretary of Commerce, R.I., the state agency responsible for promoting commerce and economic development for our businesses. Now, Liz, you came to Rhode Island to go to URI, right? And just 
haven't left. <laughs> My Originally grandparents from- used to vacation up here every summer. Uh-huh. And um, to me, it was, you know, I hadn't really visited it until I, I came to college. And all I heard was how beautiful everything was. And I got up here and I pretty much never left because I mm. fell in love with it myself. And you went to URI? Correct. Um, and so now you, you're married, you have kids. Um, I see you a lot on uh, Facebook. So tell us about your family. What's important to you? What do you do for fun? You know, it's uh, it's it's a funny story. When the first time I was up here, my grandparents drove me from Providence to Newport and we drove through Bristol, Rhode Island. And I said to my grandparents, oh, my gosh, I love this town. I want to live here when I grew up. And then fast forward to the very end of my senior year at URI, I came to visit my then boyfriend, now husband. And and I came over the Mount Hope Bridge and all of a sudden I realized I'm in Bristol and I say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to marry this guy and I'm going to live here. And that's exactly what happened. So it's a it's a good story. That is a great story. That's funny. So who were some of your mentors and why? You know, I've been blessed to be raised by the community. That's something that I've always uh, wanted to make sure I gave credit to. So whether it was my athletic coaches, because I was uh, quite the athlete in my middle school and um, high school years, um, or my bosses along along the way. I was a waitress for many, many years, whether it was in college or or at home. And um, I grew up in Pennsylvania. And so I like to say that I was very much raised by the community. And so while I, I don't have specific mentors, I, I am very grateful to the collective approach to raising a, a good person. And so that that's where I give my credit to. Mm-hmm. What sports did you play, Liz? Uh, softball, basketball, and field hockey. Ah, very good. Well, sports, it's great. It's a good way to develop constitution and really character for a lot of uh, women and men. Uh, you've also testified before House Finance, on which I served for many years, and your office has done, and you specifically, a lot of work on blockchain technology. You know, explain blockchain for those who may not be familiar with it. You know, it's very confusing. I'll start by saying that uh, there are, you know, the, the simple way to explain it. And for those who know a lot about blockchain, they probably may or may not agree with my definition, but there are two sides of blockchain. One is the cryptocurrency piece, which is what everybody hears about so much, particularly in the news these days. And then the other side is the technology behind it, which is the distributed ledger side. And the cryptocurrency side is quite volatile. It's um, controversial. And um, people think that that's what all of blockchain is, and it's not. That's just that's just part of it. On the distributed ledger side, the best way to explain it is a souped up, forever held Excel spreadsheet. That's the easiest way um, for me to explain it. And I so, like to say it's a ledger on steroids. There you go. Right. I say souped up Excel spreadsheet. Pretty much <laughs> the same thing. Uh, and from a governmental standpoint, it's it's really helpful to be able to hold that information in one place with some longevity. And so. We've been exploring the use of distributed ledger technology. I, I tend not to use the word blockchain much these days because there is the negative connotation to it, uh, to make it easier to do business, right? So like I said, I've looked at every other state and said, how do they do, how do, they do it better? Um, and none of them do, to be perfectly honest. But when I look at other foreign countries, they are using distributed ledger technology to a certain extent, um, just a little, a little bit. There's other technologies out there. to How make would it a government use it? How would it be used on a day-to-day basis? So we performed a pilot last year. It finished in June where we tried to see if it worked. And so we we did we did prove that it worked in the pilot. Um, this was a, a, a free initiative that we were able to have completed 
to prove that your driver's license could be verified, right? So there's a, an additional layer of fraud proof. So it's far more secure to use this. And then you were able to um, download an app on your phone where you could hold a credential in there. And so the, the one that we started with is certified public accounts. So an accountant very often does tax returns in other states, and they have to prove that they have a license in one state to be able to file the tax returns elsewhere. And so that's why we chose them. And so essentially the blockchain part of it is using the souped up Excel spreadsheet to hold all of the information on the um, on the CPAs that are available in Rhode Island. Uh, but there's other technologies out there to prove the digital identification as well. So it was a pilot program, but what are some of the um, what are some of the risks? The risks are really more about people getting used to new technologies. There's yeah. there's a hesitancy always to um, be the first to do something or to try something new. Um, but there's also the social aspect of it of everything's fine. Why are we changing stuff? And right. you know that's always been something I've had to push back on to say. There are better ways. You know, Rhode Island does rank poorly. This would put us on a path to having a much easier form of administrative government. And so that's the path that I seek to follow. And with any kind of new technology, it's so important to educate too, to, to explain because it does, it does take a while, you know. Um, so listen, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you love to do instead of your current job as a Secretary of Commerce RI? You know, I got to tell you, I didn't I didn't know where this question was going, but I will say that something I am insanely passionate about is this notion of making it easier to do business. Mm. I uh, I actually recently, um, because I moved into this space, found a map that I created in 2015, which mapped out exactly this change to doing administrative government that I had um, that I'm working on now. And so I think to myself, wow, seven years later, I'm finally able to do this implementation process. And so. The job that I have working on that project is what I'm most passionate about. That's what it's, I would want to do. It sounds like you've been auditioning for this job like most of your life. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's exciting to be able to actually make it easier to do business. And so we're really looking forward to um, an RFP that will be coming out soon to take this the pilot to the next step to make sure that we can make it work. So if you could have lunch or dinner with anyone, dead or alive, who would you love to have a conversation you know, there's there's personal and there's professional. Oh, I'd love to spend some more time with my grandmother. I miss her every single day. Um, but I also think about someone like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and mm. you know the 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 role model she set so many years ago. And um, I think she'd probably be the first person I can think of. Wonderful. Liz Tanner, Rhode Island Commerce Secretary, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your story, your work, and a little bit about yourself. Appreciate it. I thank end you very uh, much. I end every show with a quote, and this one is from Plato. Be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. It's so true. I'm Deb Ruggiero. You can listen online anytime. The website, amazingwomenri.com, and of course, the podcast available on all your favorite streaming devices. Enjoy your day and stay well.